You're listening to Run, R-U-N, Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. As pastor of the Smithton Outpouring and the Kansas City Revival, Steve is a leading voice of revival worldwide. Steve shares his life-changing encounters with God, along with biblical teaching that equips you to experience and lead lasting revival. Come, run with Steve and expect God to revive us now. Hello again. I'm so glad that you decided to run with me. Revive Us Now podcast is here, and I am your host, Steve Gray, here to talk about everything we can think of about revival and all the things that cause it to happen, things that stop it to happen, and what you can do about it in your own life, whether it be a corporate revival in your church, your city, or just a personal revival. We're going to be talking about all those things, so don't miss a podcast so you can gather all the secrets of the kingdom of God and find out how can we get America on fire for God? How can we get your church on fire for God? And how can we get you on fire for God? That the kingdom of God comes into your life and revives us. And you know, revival is for the people of God because they're half dead. They have life, but they don't have enough life. And the people that don't know Jesus, they're all the way dead. That's why they need a great awakening. They need to be born again. But those that are born again, we fall into religion and we lose contact and we make you know, bad choices sometimes, or, or life just gets to us, and all of a sudden we realize we're kind of in dead religion, and religion takes over, and it just plods itself along, and suddenly we realize, I need to be revived. America needs to be revived. The churches need to be revived. We need to bring life to the half-dead church and the half-dead believer. So we'll be talking about that. Now, I want to talk to you today about prophetic, a prophetic thing that I'm applying. Now, I know, I know you say the word prophetic today. We got to be careful because a lot of people forget that prophecy is supposed to be judged, right? And so there's a lot of people that uh, they just uh, speak out like it's fact and then and, and people listen to it and don't realize because prophecy comes from the spirit, but it also passes through our humanity. So we need to be careful with it. And uh, a lot of people learning are learning that the hard way in our day, aren't they? But this prophecy is easy because we have a more sure word. The Bible says there is a more sure word. And if we can take the word of God, that's already there and is a sure word from God. And if we can find a way to apply it, prophetically, now we can be pretty much on track and just say that this is the way God operates. And, and let me tell you something else about that. It, you can, God, a lot of people think that God is such a mystery and he is, he is sometimes, but that you can't figure him out at all. But that's not true. God follows patterns. In other words, something that bothered him 2000 years ago will bother him today. You see what I'm saying? And so if you can find the pattern, how did he respond when his people did that? Or if the church went that way in the first century, what will happen if the church does the same thing today? So in other words, in the first century, when a church went lukewarm, God, or Jesus said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Well, what would you think? Do you, need a, do you need to have a prayer revival revelation to figure out what God would do if your church today goes lukewarm? No, Jesus say the same thing. That's what I do, lukewarm. So there's, I spit them out of my mouth. So there's patterns of God that you can follow. And that's why you need to read the Bible and learn, especially uh, the Old Testament and from the Jewish people. He says, they are there to teach us. So follow the pattern. So 
prophetically, we don't always have to just pull something out of a hat or out of a sky and hope it's God. If we can base it on the word of God, we can be pretty sure because it is a sure word. So the word I, I want to help you understand are the scriptures we're going to talk about today, and we're going to apply it in, in a prophetic way. All right. So this is from Mark chapter 12, and there, there are a number of scriptures in the Bible where uh, a, a person owns land, a landowner or a master or whatever you want to call it, and uh, then they go on a journey and uh, and put somebody in their place or send somebody to check it out. Well, in this one, there's a there's that there is that uh, owner and uh, he owns the land and the owner and all that. And uh, so he goes away just like we did. He just like Jesus went away. Right. Well, he goes away. And then later he sends uh, his servants to go check out how they're doing and start collecting some of the crops. All right. Well, when uh, when he sends his servants uh, to collect some of the cross, crops, the people didn't want to give him. And so they killed that servant. And then he'd send another servant, you know, and they'd kill that servant. Well, it keeps going until finally uh, the owner says, I know what I'll do. I'll send my son. Oh, yeah. Now we're starting to get it, aren't we? I'll send my son. And he says, if I send my son, they'll respect him. Surely they will respect him, listen to him, and follow him because he's my son. You're getting it, aren't you? Yeah, that, that's uh, what's going to happen to Jesus is he came hoping that we'd listen. God's hoping we'll listen to him. So what happened, though? Well, in the, in the parable, in the story, uh, the tenants uh, get together, and, and, and rather than say, whoa, we better do what's right here. This is, the, this is the owner's son. They don't. They get excited and say, guess what? That's the heir. This is the guy that's going to end up owning this land later. So they decide, you know what? If we would kill him, then it would all be ours because it's going to be somebody else's. It's not going to be the owner's. It's going to go down. So, so they get that big idea and they kill him. Well, of course, that's prophetic of Jesus, too. But there's more to it than that. So they kill him and, and they think then they say, and then the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and, and uh, you know, threw his body out of the vineyard. And they just go along like everything's just going to be all right. And then it turns and it, it, it asks this question. What then? So we'll ask ourselves the question. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? What would the owner do if he sends his son? Nobody pays attention. They don't want him to, 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 to be the, the leader. They don't want him to say, well, we could get the land if we just kill him. What's the owner going to do? He will come. He will come and kill those tenants. And get this. Here's where it gets very prophetic for you. And give the vineyard to others. All right, so we know the story. You know, you've been around church and religion, and you know the Easter and Resurrection Sunday and all those things. Well, you know Jesus came and died for our sins. You know he was killed. You know he was crucified. You know he was raised from the dead. You know all that. But do you know what happens to his property, to his, his, uh, his kingdom things? What happens to kingdom things? Well, here's what it says. It says, I'm, I'm, the owner's going to come, and he's not going to be happy, and he's going to take from them all the stuff of the vineyard, all the crops, all the stuff, and he's going to give it to somebody else. Oh, now. See, this is, this is prophetic in our day. This is what's happening. A lot, of, a lot of people trying to be prophets and trying to get every dot and tittle right, but it's not that hard. 
It's not that hard. Anytime you see a group of people who are supposed to be serving God get this attitude, we want it all for ourselves. We want it to be like us. And most of all, they said, they said, we do not want this man to rule over us. Now, what's going to happen? You get a church, group of people called Christians, whatever, and they get to living wild and say, you know what? You know, we don't want Jesus to rule over us. And, and that's very common today. You know, they get that debate whether you can make him Savior and then make him Lord, either one. And then there'll be other people say, that's impossible. You can't make him Savior and not Lord. He is Savior and Lord. But some people want to get saved so they can go to heaven and not hell. But they don't want him to be Lord over their lives. But he is Lord. But still, that's the battle. In fact, I've been preaching for a long time, and I know what the battle is. You know, as long as you just go and have nice church, uh, people are pretty good. But if you start wanting Jesus to be Lord, you start preaching the lordship of Jesus Christ, which should be preached, right? Now, whether the people accept it or not, that's not our business. Our business as preachers and teachers and leaders is to preach Jesus is Lord, and you need to make him Lord of everything in your life. But people sometimes, they'd rather have a crowd than have the lordship of Jesus, so they don't preach lordship anymore. They just preach to the crowd, say what their itching ears want to hear. And so here's what happened then. It says, we don't want this man to rule over us. And so now they're going to be in trouble. They're the ones that end up dead. They don't get to that. And God takes what he had. And he gives it to somebody else. Now, that's, let, let me tell you something, how prophetic that is. Because if we, you can answer this. If we have churches today that you feel like they're just dull and dead, selfish, worldly, carnal, whatever word you want to use, they, they, they're sort of interested in God, but, but making Jesus Lord to where he's Lord of everything and yielding your life and taking the Bible and opening it. And if you see where you're missing it with God, you change it immediately and living for God. I, I know... Uh, one of my favorite scriptures has always been, seek first the kingdom of God. And I would preach, talk, talk and preach and talk and preach to seek, seek, seek first, put him first. And people kind of do it for a while, but sometimes they're not sure they want to do it forever in their whole lives. And so then they, they rise up and they say, ah, we don't, want, we don't want him to rule our lives. We want to go to church. We want to have our friends. We want to have spaghetti dinners and pizza and volleyball teams. But... I don't want him to rule. I don't want to be told what to do. And there it falls apart, and it doesn't work. And so that's where, that's what happened to them. They don't want this man to rule over him, so what happened? They get thrown out. Okay. So we could concentrate on the negative of people that are going to get thrown out, and we also could concentrate on the prophetic moment that we have in that some people are living that way now like this. They're not interested. I mean, they could be preachers, teachers, pew warmers. It doesn't matter. There are people that just aren't interested in anybody but themselves. And so they're going to go about their life and they're going to do their thing. And then if you start preaching the Lordship of Jesus Christ, they're not going to like it. They don't want it. And so if that's the case, then what is God going to do? He's going to follow his pattern. It's not that hard to figure out. He's going to take from those who have and give it to those other people. He's going to take from the vineyard and he's going to give it to other people. It's a change of hands. 
We are, I think, we are in the season of a change of hands. We are in a season where the church got dull, worldly, rich, and I'm not. When I say rich, I think it's good. I think that God's people, that we don't have to be poor to be to be, you know, religious, do we? we don't have to be poor to use our faith. We use our faith to get somewhere in the world, to see the prosperity of God. That part's okay. But when you get your eyes, as you know, I don't need to say this, eyes on money and wealth and uh, prestige and power, that's what happened to the Pharisees. They liked to be seen. They loved money. They liked the good seats in the house. And they start falling for all that position, see? And when that happens, then everything gets off. And when preachers start preaching to feel good about themselves, they start using their sermons as a way to build their self-esteem. So they start saying what the people want to hear. So the people will say to them what they want to hear about themselves. It just gets all corrupt, doesn't it? And so once God's had enough of it, then what does he do? He says, I'm going to take from them and it's going to be a change of hands and I'm going to give it to somebody else. And that's what he did with this vineyard. The owner came, took the vineyard, took everything in it and gave it to a new group of people. Why is that prophetic? Because it's happening our day. Why is that good news to you? Because you could be one of those people that might be in line to get something else, to get something more than you've got. You know, when the power of God breaks out, it's amazing how many people were sort of like nobodies, if, if you understand what I'm saying, or at least they see themselves as nobodies. And they're not really frontline battle people, you know. But when God's power comes, sometimes you do not know who is going to get that anointing, who's going to get that power, who's going to get the ability. And uh, we saw that in Jesus' day, didn't we? When Jesus comes, he's got all this anointing. Who did he pick? He picked four smelly fishermen. They knew nothing about the kingdom of God. They didn't know how to operate a ministry and they, you know, they weren't evangelists. They weren't preachers. They weren't teachers of the law. They were smelly fishermen. And he picked, picked them and said, follow me and I'm going to make you into something else. You're going to start catching people. So there was a change of hands in Jesus day. Well, that's where we are today. We have people off the mark. You go into, you know, you go visit a church or whatever. And it just seems like the people aren't interested. They don't sing interested. They don't pray interested. They don't, uh, uh listen to the sermon interested and in what they are. They're interested. It's amazing. And it? it seems like they just arrive and all they are is interested in leaving. And you think, why did you come if all you want to do is go? And so that's a church a lot of times when you see that. Oh, you understand. There's anointings out there. There's anointings. There's ministries hanging out there that God's going to shift. And we're in that shift right now. People you never heard of are going to get stuff from God. And people that never imagined themselves are going to get this, this uh, opportunity from God. And you say, well, why would he give me an opportunity? Because they're giving up their opportunity. People gave up their opportunity, and now it's going to go to somebody else who wouldn't have had the opportunity. I like it a lot because, you know, uh, Elisha was out plowing a field, and Elijah came by. And he gets his cloak and takes it off and throws it on him. Why? He knew there's going to be a change of hands. It was time to go from Elijah to Elisha. And that cloak, that, that mantle could be hanging out there now or being ready to be changed now. And if you think about it, why couldn't it be you? Why not you? Well, then get on board, right? Get on board. There's, you know, the Bible, as Jesus said, you don't put new wine in an old wineskin. 
So if you see old 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 wineskins controlling, old wineskins, you know, they're looking at their watches and old wineskins that are just so-so about God, but you want to be on fire. You want to see a move of God. And I know you're seeing some signs. We've got some great things going on in the country in area of worship. And it's starting, and a lot of young people are worshiping, and I think it's great. I, the, you know, we just got to understand that revival is not just jumping up and down, going longer or louder. Finally, you'll find out people in the Bible, when they truly met the power and presence of God, they weren't jumping up and down. No, they fell at his feet, it says, and fell as though dead, fell down. Paul and Saul, who became Paul and rode to Damascus, uh, went to the ground. You know, eventually we got to go to our knees. It takes us to our knees. Revival does. And so uh, all this fresh move is good, but we need new wine skins because it says new wine, putting old wine skins, it'll make them burst. And uh, so we need some new wine skins. Now, remember in the Bible, a new wine skin could be an old wine skin refurbished. They'd take that old wine skin it was all cracked and it would break and they'd, re they'd refurbish it fix it up you know pound it out and it could be reused so you can be refurbished and we're not talking about age here how old you are how long you've been a christian we're talking about your attitude and the way you treat god instead we need a revival of people to love god and have a regard for god right and that's see wickedness is no regard for god that's it no, you just don't care. And that's wickedness. Well, come on. You can start getting interested in God. You can seek the Lord. You know how to seek. You know, if, uh, one time I had a church service where the people were acting like, we don't know how to seek the Lord. You keep saying, seek the Lord while he may be found and seek first the kingdom of God. We don't know how to seek. So I taught him. You know what I did? One Sunday morning, I took a $100 bill and I went and taped it underneath one of the pews. And I'm preaching along, talking about seeking and that, and they're just kind of listening like they always do and like, well, okay, all right. And then I said, oh, by the way, I think you do know how to seek. And they looked at me, well, I don't know about that. I said, I'll teach you how to seek right now. Right now as you're sitting in that pew, somebody is sitting on top of a $100 bill. First one gets it, gets to keep it. I'm telling you, the place went mad. I mean, especially the kids, the kids that could figure out $100 is worth something. They jumped up and they didn't care who was in the way. They didn't care if an old person, young person, uh, who it was. teenagers were crawling over each other. They're pushing people aside. All of a sudden, when you put a $100 bill out there, they became seekers. And I said, now, you just start doing that to God because he's worth a lot more than a $100 bill. You just start putting that same interest and energy, and you can do that. And so when you do that, you're going to have, you're, you're going to put yourself in line for a fresh anointing. You're going to be, because most people are going to just be middle of the road, right? Most people are middle of the road people. We understand that. Okay. God love them. But the ones that aren't need to know there is, is and becoming available a fresh anointing. The man, it's as though the mantle of Elijah is in the air. <laughs> it's flying through the air. Who's it going to land on? I'll tell you who's going to land on those who are true seekers of God. Those who truly want to love the, love the Lord their God with all their heart, their soul, their mind, and put their strength in it. That's where sometimes, sometimes people get a little upset with me because I, I want to follow that. I want to see people put their strength. People put strength into what they love and care about. And so if you're willing to do that, you know what? 
This could be a prophecy just for you. Saying God is in the business right now. There's a change of hands. He's going to take what is his and he's going to give it to another group of people. They may be nameless now, but you might be in line for something great in the kingdom of God. May the Lord just bless you today. May you just give your life to Jesus. Come on. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch them with these words. Excite them for what they could be in the future kingdom of God here on the earth. In Jesus' name. Well, we're praying, aren't we, all the time that God would rend the heavens and come down in glory and power. And Mike, America needs revival. The church needs revival. I need revival. You need revival. So let us run together for a revival. Until next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Revive Us Now podcast with Steve Gray. Push the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. And spread the word on social media. For more episodes and resources, go to reviveusnowpodcast.com. Until next time, keep on running for revival.